0: You're listening to the Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the Church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole Church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. ay kaba ng iglesia para sa kaluhatian ng Joss ang podcast na ito ay para
1: sa buong iglesia upang himuken nito na pagisi pa magbuute ang mga lyrics, emotion at doctrina sa ating musikang pansimbahan. Sana mag enjoy kayo sa episode namin ngayong linggo. Well, welcome to the Worship Review. This is a podcast in which we evaluate the songs that are sung in the church, although this series we are evaluating songs that are sung in the top ten countries that listen to this podcast. That may sound self-indulgent, but we are still doing a review of Christian music, although it's often music that's done on the radio as such. We've gone through the countries in order, the United States, the United Kingdom, Nigeria, And now we're going to be evaluating the country with the fourth highest listenership for this podcast, and that is the Philippines. And my name is Colin. I'm a history professor and a former worship leader, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler.
0: I am an influencer.
1: (laughs) That's true. You do influence a couple people uh, occasionally, like when they want to know which restaurant to go to, you always have a vote in that.
0: I'm also a freelance thinker. So if you need thoughts, I've got them.
1: I'll let you know if I want those. All right. So, this uh, the top song that we could just... Dis- Th- it let was a little bit complicated. Yeah, you need to explain this, because this is not quite the same as the other three countries we've done.
0: Thus far, we have looked at the top radio charts for the individual countries.
1: For the Christian gospel category, right? Yeah, we've... Otherwise, we'd just be reviewing, I don't know, who's, who's the top...
0: Right now, the, in, in Swift, right now in in the Philippines right now it's a um a South Korean boy band. Okay. I'm not kidding. Um that's that Gangnam style stuff, right? Sure. Okay. And so I I was I like I said South Korean boy band. Like there are any North Korean boy bands.
1: <laughs> well, uh, it's just all Kim Jong Il, right?
0: <laughs> Six of him across the right. stage. Um for some reason it doesn't seem that the Philippines records radio traffic for gospel music. I I made a very good faith effort to find out what the top Christian radio song was, or at least what the top gospel downloaded song on iTunes or Spotify was. Nothing was available. But what I did do is listen to Bible radio, 531 AM in Manila. Okay. And tuned in online and they were singing hymns. Wow. So, so what we did was find the song whose license is requested the most in the Philippines. Okay,
1: so this is closer to songs that are sung in the church. This is probably a song that's most sung in the church in the Philippines, right?
0: Sure. I'm evaluating it as a radio hit. Yeah. Um, but I guess technically it is a song to be sung in the church, but, you know, it's being sung in the church. But we have
1: evaluated the previous songs so far on this series as though they were sung on the radio. So in theory, this song has a good chance of doing well right? Because the bar is a bit lower for making it onto Christian radio and being doctrinally sound and coherent and all those things, which are things that we evaluate, as opposed to a song that's being sung in the church. And by the way, that song that we're going to do this week, the top requested song on the CCLI charts in the Philippines is Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham.
0: Oh, fun facts.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, Tyler, you always have some fun facts. What can you tell us about the Philippines, Tyler? The Philippines. It's, a, it's a very sparsely populated country, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Almost nobody lives there.
0: Well, it's funny. That it's made up of more than 7,000 islands. Yeah. Huge archipelago. Only a third of those islands is inhabited. Mm-hmm. And so really densely populated on a small number of islands. Okay. Just over 2,000. Produces more coconuts than any country in the world, although it does not export more coconuts than any other country in the world. It's not even the top 10. they gobble them all up. They love coconuts, (laughs) apparently. Um, It's the largest Christian country in Asia. 80% of the country is Catholic. 10% of the country is Protestant. Roughly 100 million Filipinos live in the Philippines and 11 million Filipinos live outside of the Philippines. So it's got a huge diaspora community, a huge community of people that- are from the Philippines, but don't live there anymore. A lot of them are in the United States.
1: Yeah, probably on the West Coast. I, I knew many Filipino people when I lived on the West Coast. The top song in this country is not by a Filipino artist whatsoever. It's, it's Phil Wickham.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give a little bit of background about the author. Okay. So, Phil Wickham, who is the singer that yeah. we hear, wrote this in collaboration with Brian Johnson, who is a worship pastor at Bethel Church. And the son of Bill Johnson, who is the head pastor of that large, uh, charismatic megachurch. Okay. Funny how that turned out. <laughs> it The song contrasts what I see with what God sees. So I see a battle. I see obstacles. I see darkness. I see a cross. God sees victory. God sees a clear path. God sees light. And God sees an empty tomb. So... There's a, there's a contrast going through uh, this song, what I can see, and then what's actually true. And then references, of, references from scripture, calling God an almighty fortress, or um, one who shines in the darkness, or things like that. Actually, he doesn't say shines in the darkness, shines in the shadow. Um, so that would be what I would say, kind of, that's how I would summarize the song.
1: Okay. And this idea of battle belongs, it's an interesting phrase, which is used over and over again. I take it that it
0: probably comes out of Second Chronicles? Yes. Can I actually... Yeah. I don't want to interrupt you. No, but go it's ahead. It's important that I do hear. Go ahead. I found the author's statement about this. Oh, okay.
1: Song. So, maybe we'll Very find important. out if it does indeed come out of Second Chronicles chapter 20.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um. He says, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture comes from second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a story of this huge army that is amassed to come against the people of God. And when the people of God and their King Jehoshaphat hear this horde coming their way, they freak out. They literally come to God and say, well, you can tell someone's a millennial by how often they use the word literally. Um, (laughs) We are powerless against this army, but our eyes are on you. God show us what to do. And God responds to them. His spirit comes upon this Levite man, and through the Levite man, God says, Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. You will not have to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. So much so, that instead of sending their army into the front lines, they sent their worshipers into the front lines. The holy men in their robes started singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And you know what happened to the other army as they heard the singing? They freaked out. They were routed. They started turning on each other to the point where the scriptures say not one of them was left alive. God moved on behalf of his people, and God is still moving and battling on behalf of his people.
1: That that this this Levite guy, it's Yehaziel, say his name. <laughs> right.
0: Never forget.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he says some profound things in uh, verse 15. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid or dismayed at the great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. So I think that's where we get this idea of the battle belonging to God. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. So it's not up to us to win this. God yeah. wins it. And there is a notable, although much less severe battle, in Phil Wickham's life. Oh, really? Yes. Ah, uh, okay. 2014, he went an entire month without being able to speak because he had developed a polyp on one of his vocal folds. Ooh,
1: that's a bit scary.
0: Yeah. That's so,
1: frightening, actually, for a vocalist.
0: Yeah, if that's your, if that's how you yeah. make a living, that is terrifying. Um, he, he said, This coming Monday will mark a total of an entire month of me not talking. He said this in 2014. Needless to say, I cannot wait to get my voice back, to have a conversation with my wife, to read stories to my girls, to actually say I love you back to them instead of just signing it with my hand, to write and sing songs, I can't wait. So, um, it seems, well, it doesn't seem, God brought him faithfully out of that probably very terrifying moment yeah. in his life. It's not as terrifying as a horde of enemies coming to slaughter you, but it is pretty startling Yeah, to th- be threatened with restarting your career midlife.
1: Definitely. Okay, so... I think that summarizes the song quite nicely, Tyler. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the words. So we've got a opening verse which says. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved.
0: And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds
1: And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Response, Tyler.
0: <laughs> okay, we have this juxtaposition, a contrasting of one thing with another throughout this, and we have different images from scripture. Yeah. Not, not necessarily coherently brought together, but all scriptural. So. When all I see is battle, you see my victory. Well, um, Romans 9 yeah. describes great suffering for the people of God. And yet Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we, that's a comparison in and of itself, where we have these horrible things that we're going through now, and yet what is coming to us, which is good. Uh, later in that same chapter... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So there's there's conqueror is military language. That is one who wins in a conflict in a battle. So one who has conquest over another person. And so that I think would be my victory in mm. this opening line. Okay. Or got um, the mountain language right? Yeah, the mountain. Thing. So I see a mountain. When all I all see I is see. this mountain, so it's a pretty big mountain. Yeah, you see a mountain moved. So I think what he means here is that there's an obstacle in his way, yeah. and God sees a path th- past yeah. or through, or the maybe mountain. sees
1: a future when the mountain isn't there anymore, or something. Because yeah. the because the tenses in here are interesting. Because mm-hmm. he in the present sees the mountain, but God sees the that mountain in the past tense right so it's,
0: this makes me wonder if i'm misanalyzing it okay. and to, so in english we can say i will see it done so we'll say c and then a past participle oh and yeah that means sure. to accomplish something yeah in in some way or another and so to see it moved could be to accomplish its movement mm-hmm. but that may be a little bit too complex for what's going on here this t- seems to me to be a and then not A. Yeah. B and then not b
1: yeah okay got some psalm 23 action in here too i walk through the shadow
0: and also the comfort that he gets later right oh There's nothing yeah yeah, to yeah out good for i'm safe mm-hmm. with you yeah yeah um i i think i may have mentioned this on our last episode about you are mighty but mountains moving seems to permeate contemporary christian worship big cliche and so
1: yeah. we have biblical cliche but
0: often biblical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no fair point. Sometimes it's an image from the Bible <laughs> applied yes. in an unbiblical way.
1: Yes, good point.
0: But so so Mark 11:23 says, "Truly, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done to him." Yeah. So, we've talked about this in the past. He's pointing to a specific mountain. He's saying you can you could drive that into the sea if you just had faith. Um, that's different though, I think, than saying God sees a mountain moved sure. because God is the creator of mountains. Um, there is precedent, I think, for, in, in the Bible, for the idea that God moves specific mountains yeah. at times. So Yeah, because Jesus says this mountain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, speaking of... King Cyrus, Cyrus the Great yeah. of the...
1: Persian Empire.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, he ended, effectively, the Babylonian captivity and ordered that the temple be rebuilt. And Isaiah 45 says this, This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, to disarm kings, to open the doors before him, so that the gates will not be shut. Quote, I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the riches hidden in secret places. And I think, let me just say aside, this is important. So that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. So the purpose of this leveling, this moving, it's not merely, and I think this will come into play later. It's not merely... Victory for victory's sake. It's victory for the Lord's sake, for the sake of accomplishing his his purposes, his glory. God does level mountains when they are in the way of accomplishing his purposes. Okay, so
1: then we get to some language that is reminiscent of Psalm 23. Uh, And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me.
0: Is this the valley of
1: the shadow of death? I can, maybe. I mean, I guess it could be another shadow. I just, when he talks about walking through the shadow, this yeah. evokes that image from Psalm 23. I guess it need not necessarily be that, but surely that must be what he means. Or do you think something else is going on?
0: I, I thought of Psalm 23, 4. Okay. Yeah. Um, although he's comforted in Psalm 23, um, by this it's a little bit different. It's not that your love surrounds me which that's there's nothing wrong with that necessarily it's a little bit vague and and uh yeah it's just a little bit ethereal whereas in psalm 23 it says i fear no evil why for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me and i've heard interpretations of this that um these were two different devices in the shepherd's toolkit so to speak one for hitting the sheep (laughs) (laughs) and sort of for keeping himself steady.
1: Yep. So (laughs) that would be my view on those as well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Based on my limited knowledge of sheep husbandry (laughs) and the ancient Near East.
0: Very good. Um, So there's nothing to fear now. Again, that's probably, I will fear no evil, right? Yeah. For I'm safe with you for you are with me. Yep. Definitely. Psalm 23 vibes. Yeah.
1: And um, the idea of being safe. So this is a theme that will come up elsewhere in the song. There's, kind of the idea of God being a refuge. We'll see later that that metaphor gets mixed up a little bit, but um, another theme in Psalms of God being a place of safety, a refuge, a hiding place kind of thing. Yes. So yeah, Psalm 46. I mean, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 46 as well with that first line. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Psalm 46 is kind of all about that. There are these people in a city and... Um, they're looking out, and there's an army surrounding them, and then God just marches out and just wipes out the army and is like, be still and know that I am God. Uh,
0: okay, then we get to... Be still is a nice way of saying shut up, <laughs> isn't
1: it? <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, yeah, I mean, I could say some more about that psalm, but it, it, I mean, it, it's a really rich psalm. Um, basically, not just shut up, but... Uh, don't even think that you could have done anything about this like you you didn't you didn't even lift a finger and i just saved you from this giant army and like threw mountains into the sea and stuff other things that happen in that song that are pretty cool then we get to the chorus So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
0: All right. So when I read this, I thought, okay, we are, we're in a kind of spiritual warfare here because I'm fighting through genuflected prayer yeah. through praise while i'm on my knees
1: yeah the hands are like a euphemism right any charismatic would understand that as a euphemism for for worship
0: although when you read it that way that you just read it which was very matter of fact i i parsed it literally yeah right together I, yes i'm th- on
1: my knees with my hands yes, held high i thought <laughs> of a
0: guy like crouched down with his arms in the air like yes. i don't know um i don't know like uh Thai kickboxing yeah or something it would be a like weird
1: that. position wouldn't it
0: yeah so th- that was interesting. But yeah, I-, I think these are both euphemisms, right? On my yeah. knees, it doesn't mean I am weak in the knees. It means yeah. I am deliberately kneeling to pray yes. or with my hands lifted high. Yeah. It's not surrender yes. in, a- in a literal sense. It's yeah. to praise you.
1: Yeah, he doesn't use the words prayer or worship. Maybe he d- that's He uses uh, these euphemisms.
0: Uh, maybe we're coming up on another thing, which is... Uh, um, totemic of or tyler uh, I have a phd <laughs> I
1: don't know what that word means
0: totemic like a it, it is like a totem like okay. like a emblematic um anyway i think we're coming up on something that is emblematic of okay. american contemporary christian worship stuff which is like oh we can't we can't just say prayer and praise <laughs> that sounds really lame like we yeah. need to say on my knees my yeah. hands in the air right wave them like you just no, no. Just yeah. So, but but, what are what is the content of this praise? I think it's the following line: "Oh God, the battle belongs to you." Because he says later, "I'll sing through the night." Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So, it's also nighttime, I guess. So we're praying and praising at night, um, and I, and or I, it's or it's figurative night. Yeah, I think I think spiritual I think it's a suffering,
1: figurative night. Presumably, I don't think he's saying like I'm just going to stay awake like tonight right now, I think he's, I think it's because the battle is a difficult time and the night is also like a scary, difficult time. It must be, you know, and it ties in a little bit with the shadow walking through the shadow. That's darkness too. Yeah. So I think is. I think these are just various um, devices to say that things are difficult, I guess.
0: Do you remember when we did For King and Country"? Yeah, I was just song? thinking about that. Okay, uh, that was called God Only Knows. Yes. Where th- there's a problem. You can tell that there's a problem, but to pin it down in yeah, any specific really way is very difficult. To and
1: think. I think that's sort of similar here, right? We just know that there's a battle and there's a night and there's a shadow. It's just, it's just kind of bad, general badness.
0: And I lay every fear. So... That's a kind of surrender there. Yeah. To lay something. And maybe
1: defines a little bit more what the problem is, that he's afraid actually. So he's in a battle and he's afraid in some way. So So he just prays and worships, which I guess is his way of saying, I'm doing these things, but these are ways of participating in the battle that still yield the fighting of the battle to you that, like, signal that I'm still dependent on you, I guess, is what this is meant to say, probably.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I find it an interesting construction, because I read once that the most common command in Scripture is fear not. Mm -hmm. I think I read that in Spurgeon. It
1: wouldn't surprise me.
0: I mean, he says, God says this all the time to his people. And I find this, I lay every fear at your feet, to be interesting, because it's, rather than saying, I will not fear, or I refuse to fear, or because of your promises, I therefore um, overcome my fear. Instead, it it depicts me bringing my fear to
1: God. The image in your head is of this guy doing stuff. Sure. So despite the fact that he's saying the battle belongs to God, every line begins with us thinking about what he's doing. Like the picture in our head is... Oh, this guy is on his knees praying. Oh, this guy has got his hands held up. This guy is l- laying his fears at, right. He's praying fervently about his fears. He's in anger. You know, you gotta see his face with anguish. Like all these things give you the image of this guy doing stuff, even as he's also saying with his words that he's yielding the battle to
0: God. I. So it sounds like you're implying that battle belongs the song battle belongs is intended to reassure us that god fights the battle but perhaps we're doing a little bit on the side is well, that what you're saying well it's not so much it's like it's almost like
1: calling it's this weird thing where we're not fighting the battle but nevertheless like the uh, the camera is still on us like the camera is not actually on god fighting the battle Like it's almost like God's fighting the battle outside the frame of the camera and the camera though is looking at us like kind of, whoa, watching God and praying to him. And I know it's like when you're watching a basketball game and we've seen this recently, like with the crowd missing, it's just not the same. Like the reaction of the crowd is meaningful for helping the sports audience understand how, you know, impressive or, you know, not impressive or what, you know, that the call that was made was bad from the official or whatever, like seeing the crowd reaction or hearing their applause is a way to signal to the audience, like kind of what they should think about something. Mm -hmm. And this song in this song, it's claiming that the action is God, God is doing the action, but the camera is still seems to me to be totally focused on, Kind of the person so the person's still passive, but nevertheless they're still the center of attention in many respects in this song as opposed to the previous song that we looked at um, you are mighty which it did speak about things that the person is thinking and doing, but it would just kind of reflect back to God like it would it, it would it would it, he was using things that God had done in his life for ways that yeah, you know, we talk about things that God had, or, or attributes of God, but it would just constantly be that God was kept. The camera kept being turned over to God, whereas in this song, it just—I don't know. I just think, yeah, God is doing the work, but he's—he's he's not really in focus.
0: Okay, sure. I, I want to push back a little bit, though. Yeah, okay, go ahead. So, I wonder if this is borrowed a little bit from the from the source material. So, we know that this is from Second Chronicles twenty. Okay. And 2nd Chronicles 20 depicts Judah being saved in this way. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established; believe his prophets, and you will succeed." And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. And say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made a, an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So, the, the Judah is praising. Yeah and is totally removed from the battle going on. God set this ambush. And then we we see that in the following verse, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. So um, in a sense, all we have for Judah and all Judah had at that moment was um, trust that the Lord would do what he promised he would do. And what Judah is doing, right there's praise going on, sure. um priests are being robed in a certain way, and they're mm-hmm. praying and praising um they're they don't even get to see the battle
1: right as it happens no, they just show up in the aftermath yes right
0: and and so the focal point here, I would say, is still on the work of God because while they're doing all of this, God is setting up this ambush, and it does get depicted in second chronicles, um, but it's not entirely as if battle belongs the song is novel in depicting what the believers are doing while god is acting
1: no and le- yeah let me clarify my comments just to say okay, yes i agree there and there's plenty of scriptural basis for like it, like scripture like especially in the old testament especially in kind of the pre monarchical period for israel there are l- kind of actually lengthy descriptions of what the people do, like, for example, in the siege of Jericho, like there are lengthy descriptions in Scripture about all the things, you know, marching around the thing, seven times blowing the horns, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's not as, yes, there's, that's totally true. But in the end, even in those areas of Scripture, the, the attention, those things reflect back on God's glory, and they don't kind of steal the, Like, ultimately, God then knocks the walls down, right? And that's the pinnacle, and God delivers the city into the hands of the Israelites. And I just, so the difference in this song to me is this song is saying that God is gonna fight this battle, but we get very little description as to how he does it, what he does it, what, you know, none of that, And, and so much of the focus seems to be on what this person, at least in this chorus, on what this person is, not so much doing, I guess, although they are doing things, but what they're kind of experiencing. Like, the image that you get when you read those lines. So, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. and every fear, I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. God, the battle belongs to you. I mean, if the phrase, oh, God, the battle belongs to you wasn't in there, this would just be about what this guy's doing. And we get this aside that, oh God, the battle belongs to you, but that just tells us nothing. It describes nothing. It shows us nothing. It just, it's just kind of out there, God's fighting a battle somewhere. And I don't think that, I can see how there's a little bit, you see a little bit of that in the Second Chronicles 20 account, but not to that extent.
0: And, and frankly, like you said, the battle is never given a clear... It's, it's never clear what is being fought over or um, who the opponent in the fight is, right? It's clear that God is. Um, or not even necessarily what the problem is, you know? Like
1: we get yeah. a little bit about fear, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it kind of misses out on a lot of opportunities because you yeah. could say, oh, th- like the battle for the salvation of man, you did that all yeah. on your own. And here's what you did. We contributed right? nothing but yeah, sin to this. Right. Um, but instead it's, it's actually quite vague, I see. Yeah, and, and and also
1: quite um, quite focused on the person who's being battled for, rather than on God who is doing the battling. Yeah, like God's just kind of like this abstraction, you know. And actually, the 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 detail is fleshed out about the individual.
0: It's like an image where the focus is off. Let's say you want to take a picture of your friends in front of the Grand Canyon. Yes, and you perfect. You, you have this. Um, focal point yes, set to such a way that like yes. your friend's it just
1: gets your friends faces yeah, and the Grand Canyon is totally it's blurred it's just a big orange yeah.
0: right. or you know conversely right. if you wanted to picture the Grand Canyon yeah. and your iPhone which automatically sets the focal point for right. the camera if you want to takes picture a picture Grand of Canyon, a plant that's yeah, a, yeah, like, wow exactly. look at this gorgeous plant and you're like right. no that's right. you're missing the point
1: here right. that's yeah, a sure. great analogy to what I'm talking about and
0: if you are for me you can be against me. Yeah. For Jesus there's nothing impossible for you.
1: And if you are for me, who can be against me? Yeah. For Jesus there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. Oh man. Okay. So uh
0: That's a lot. We've got well, like four I mean,
1: here. let's focus on the stuff that that's pretty clear here to start.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're you for me, who can be against Yeah, me? this is the coffee eight, mug verse, yeah, right? Yeah, Romans eight thirty one. If you're gonna put a verse on a t shirt or a yeah. coffee mug or on a plaque in your yeah. house, it's gonna be this one. Yep. Um but I think there's also um uh, a passage from Second Kings 6 huh. uh, that is similar in some ways to the theme of this song and perhaps is intended here. So Second Kings 6 describes Elisha being surrounded by enemies, uh, and he yeah. says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he's yeah. not talking about being surrounded by a big you know, army of Israelites or something no. like that. Um, there, is, there are chariots yeah. of fire surrounding Such a him.
1: cool scene.
0: Yeah, and so Elisha gets it. Elisha knows power is not properly accounted in the ways that this world counts yeah. power.
1: Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. And we've uh, got Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Maybe Luke one thirty-seven. nothing will be impossible with God. Uh, then uh, another, I think, some biblical-ish language with when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty. So something kind of like Isaiah 61, three, where God says to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, etc. It's a really nice passage.
0: I think importantly, right after he says, I'll exchange oh, yeah. this um, these ashes for a crown of beauty, he says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Right. So again, my, so, my point yes. again Good. is the purpose of this yeah. is God's glory at yeah. the end of the day. Yes. The purpose of this redemption and yeah. um, this exchange of a crown for ashes. Yeah.
1: Good friend of mine, and I've said this before on the podcast, I, uses a, a great analogy and I, I know he didn't, Originate, I'm sure you got it from someone, I can't remember who, but this idea of dog theology versus cat theology. Like, cat theology you, you, um, you praise a cat, you do not, you know, you feed the cat, you, you pet the cat, and the cat thinks, oh man, I'm, I'm an awesome cat, I'm so great. Whereas you pet the dog, you care for the dog, you love the dog, and the dog says, oh, my master's really great for doing this to me, right? And so you see some of that in this song, I think, like, this song is speaking about God's great things, God's great works. And yet, right, the focus still seems to be on the object of affection, the object of, um, you know, the recipient of the battle, and maybe less a little bit on what God does. Although, in this verse, there's definitely some, it's really more in the chorus that we see the the focus on the individual, on this verse, to to be fair, you know, this verse is saying there's nothing impossible with Jesus, you know, God sees the beauty. Although this is slightly different than Isaiah, because what he's saying here is that he sees ashes, but God sees beauty. And what God's talking about in Isaiah 61 is a kind of exchange, right? And you, you have why are their
0: ashes, it's mourning. It's yeah. it's repentance. Yeah. It's people who are sorrowful over yeah. what they have done. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not I see I see sad things, but you see happy things. Yeah,
1: no, it's like it's like you're devastated over your sin, and I'm going to bring you forgiveness, right? I'm going to bring you rejoicing in your time of mourning and guilt and shame and devastation, right? I'm gonna bring comfort because I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna make you an oak of righteousness. And I'm going to do it for my glory. Not because you're awesome. Not because you deserve forgiveness. But because I'm a good God and I do what I say. Whereas in this song, um, yeah, it's just kind of ashes are just bad things that this guy sees. But God sees beauty in them. Which, okay. But it's not the same. Not exactly the same. Tyler, I bet you have some things to say about the last line. When all I see is a cross you see the empty tomb how do we okay so i mean on first on first listen to this it's like okay the cross is the time when christ is suffering but the empty tomb is obviously the time of victory i guess right is this is the but the cross is also paradoxically a time of victory as well right i mean that's what accomplishes the victory over sin is christ dying on the cross that So, and does it- And I
0: also have to say, I don't think God looked at the crucifixion of Christ and said, oh, I see, like, I don't see this. I see the resurrection. He's like, no, 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 I I see this. And I have planned for this from eternity past. I knew I would create a race of men that would fall. And I knew how I would have to save them For my own glory.
1: And Christ definitely saw the cross. I mean, he agonized over the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. he
0: still bears the wounds. In his resurrected body, he appears to the disciples and Thomas touches the wounds on his hands. Do, Do you think that it would be appropriate to say, well, Jesus, you know.
1: Well, okay, and to be, okay, so let's be as precise as possible here. He does say, when all I see is a cross, so he I I guess he's not saying, you know, he's not saying that God first of all this could be we don't know what cross this is because he uses the indefinite article rather than the definite article.
0: This could be take up your cross. Yeah, so the
1: the other way to read this is he's saying uh he's bearing a cross, like he's he's working, he's laboring he's suffering he's sacrificing and i think
0: it's that i think it's when i see suffering in my own life right like you see which, healing which you see resurrection
1: isn't surprising to me like i said based on kind of some of the self-focused aspect of the song that he the cross that he wants to bring up is not the cross of christ it's the cross that he's bearing i guess or someone's bearing at least, but it doesn't, it's, again, it's an indefinite article. So some cross somewhere, maybe Christ's cross, but maybe not. Although the empty tomb is obviously not just any empty tomb, because he does say definite article, the empty tomb. So that has to be Christ's empty tomb, I would think. Yeah. So it's a little bit, uh, it's just a little bit weird and he doesn't outright say that God doesn't see the cross, but he just focuses on the fact that all he sees, this guy, that all the singer sees is the cross, which also, or a, excuse me, a cross. It's just, it just seems sloppy. Then we get to a bridge, Can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing could stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God.
0: The idea that God goes before us can be found in the Pentateuch, where Moses, after they've rebelled against God, after scouts were sent into the promised land, And the Israelites were still chicken. Uh, Moses says, do not be terrified or afraid of the inhabitants. The Lord, your God, who goes before you, will fight for you just as you saw him do for you in Egypt. He's probably not referencing that. He's already told us where it's coming from. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Very true. Yes. Very true. You shine in the shadow. So, I think this is also Psalm 139 Darkness is as light with you. Mm -hmm. It seems to pop up a lot. Yeah. Or the light shines in the darkness and the darkness
1: does not overcome it. And, you know, we've had shadow language already in this song. So, you know, being consistent. You win every battle. You know, in doing research for this song, I saw that there are people that have complained about this line. I I, I don't know. I don't have a complaint. Well, Okay, so some people would complain about this because God doesn't choose to fight every battle. Okay, so yes, in a literal sense, saying you win every battle if a person means every possible conflict that could ever exist under the sun. I mean, I don't know. In one sense, yes, God is not fighting every battle even to necessarily win it. But at the same time, like everything that happens is happening because God wills it to happen. So in a sense though, there it's I don't like the criticism that God doesn't engage every battle, therefore this isn't true. Because while it's true in a sense God doesn't engage in every battle, God does engage in everything at the same time. Like he does engage everything that's happening. God is holding it together, right? Christ is holding everything together. He's making everything happen all the things that are created and sustained yeah, it's held from him by and through him, power. right? All the things.
0: Catechism says not even a hair can fall from right. my head. So, yeah.
1: okay. So like there's a way in which, yes, this could be meant wrongly. But at the same time, God does win every battle in the sense that everything goes the way that God intends it. Well,
0: I'm I'm just kind of intrigued to hear you make this point because i just based on your previous commentary about this song in this episode, I would have guessed that you'd say this person is taking some trivial thing like i'm i you know i've I'm heartbroken over yeah. this thing or I'm
1: just generally afraid of something right? yeah,
0: and they're they're making it a, like god's battle I'm like, afraid that I'll god's lose fight. my job yeah,
1: and so but if but but if God wins every battle, therefore I won't lose my job, right, and I guess you could interpret that, but I don't know. Um, I'm trying to be charitable here, because even though this song is, I think, a bit self-focused in terms of where the camera is focusing, um, I don't know that we can necessarily say that this person means, like, you're going to win every battle that I fight, you know, in in the way that I want you to win it. Because he's saying... You know, before that, we have a more generic statement, nothing can stand against the power of our God. He is, Yes, you know, that's true. He's, sli- you
0: know. That contextualizes yeah, that. Yeah, so there, there's, I mean, and there's
1: plenty of self-focusedness in this song, but there are also some more general statements, too. And so I would put this in the realm of a more general statement that God is all-powerful. And I think that's what he's saying. I don't think that he's personalizing this and saying something which is untrue, which is every time I want you to do something, God, you're going to just do it because, you know, kind of the way I want it. You know, I, I, I think, and I just think the immediate context doesn't allow that. I don't see anything else in the song, you know, whereas when we reviewed Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music, that song clearly meant If I raise a hallelujah, God's just, like, if I say magic words, God is just going to start doing stuff, basically because I said so. And it's tempting to see that here, but I just don't think if we look at the the song in its own context, I don't think we can say that. I think we can say the song is focused on what the person, how the person is reacting to God and a little bit about what the person is doing, like praying and worshiping and other things. But I... I don't see a warrant in the song for that kind of language where they're suggesting that God is being led by the worshiper or is somehow passive. Um, I, I just don't think we can quite go there. Tyler? Yes. Do you have some summarizing thoughts about this song or just other things that we should talk about?
0: Yeah, I, I think this song is it's not entirely coherent. Never, throughout it, are you quite sure what the issue is at hand. Um, contrary to Second Chronicles 20, where it's very clear, um, it paints in very broad brush strokes. The images used in it are scriptural. It also doesn't say anything that I can point to and say. This yeah, is nonsense. You should sure. not say this. Or heresy or something like that, right? Yeah. There's just a there are several ways in which it falls short of better music. Yeah, it's amazing to me that
1: these uh worship slash Christian music enterprises are very careful about heresy often, but at the same time. Are also very careful about not being too specific, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like it's 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 strange to say, but they are particularly vague. It's, it's not, this vagueness in songs like this and so many others is not accidental. It happens too often to be accidental. You know, you talked at one point in a previous podcast about old soccer mom Kim driving her minivan, and I think they have you know a very good idea as to the kinds of words that are going to make Kim happy and want to listen to music and the kinds of words and phrases and ideas that are going to make Kim want to turn off the radio. And uh, if you don't get the Kim reference, we that's from God Only Knows. So go back and listen to that if you want to know more about Kim. I think one thing that Kim wants to hear and, and other Christians that listen to music on the radio and indeed that attend churches and hear and Sing music in churches are elusive references to scripture, and so this song has got them, and in fact has got many of them. And the the best way I could think of this is it's almost like a shotgun approach, right? It's like rather than a a bullet, a single bullet that precisely hits a target, what's happening here is this this guy has like loaded his gun with a bunch of small scriptural pellets from a bunch of different places. And is just firing them, and some of them hit the target, and some of them don't. Some of them don't necessarily work exactly right with each other. Metaphors mixed up, you know. With this shotgun approach, you just you you know it just doesn't quite line up. There were times when we listened to the Gettys, and you know they're just they often have ways of really weaving threads through the song, or Stuart Townend somebody like this, and you know you just don't you don't see those threads as well in this song. You see it a few places, like the idea of a shadow or night or darkness or something and the idea of a battle. But quite a bit of this is unsubstantiated, uh, unclear. And again, I I find it troubling, and I won't say any more about this because I already said a bunch, but I just find it troubling that with this guy's mouth, he's saying the battle belongs to God. This is all about God fighting the battle. But just so much of the song is about what this guy's doing. And again, not all of it. There are some really nice moments in the song. There's some great things that the song says. We've talked about some of those. But I just just can't get over the fact that I just see this guy doing stuff rather than God doing stuff.
0: I have to say, I find it ironic in hindsight that in – Second Chronicles 20, on which this song is ostensibly based, the praise that the people sing while God is saving them is, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Totally focused on, on God in- exhorting people to give thanks to him and describing one of his attributes as um, enduring forever, so unending steadfast love and faithfulness. Where do you see that in this song? battle belongs i'm not saying that because this song is based off of this passage in scripture that it therefore has to include all of the elements in the passage but what i am saying is it's curious that in this passage from scripture there is one verse which includes literal praise and then we write a praise song about it and there's no reference to that verse that just seems odd
1: no you're right it does seem odd maybe not coincidental because this guy clearly knows the story he talked about the story in the interview they've you know he's referenced other things so it's reasonable to suspect that omissions are not just omissions of ignorance but are purposeful omissions and it's like why would you not have that uh tyler what would you give this song for a rating now again we're not just for the audience, not so much for you, Tyler, but for the audience's benefit, we're not giving this a rating based on whether we would sing it in church. We're, we're thinking about this in the context of the series, which is songs that are charting in kind of gospel, Christian genre. So it can include just songs that are on the radio or whatever else. So within that context, what's the rating that you'd give this song, Tyler?
0: I'm going to give it three out of five preachers and tight jeans. <laughs> so, if you watch the music video, several people in this band are all wearing jeans that look un- uncomfortably tight. And um, I know this is a trend among the young people these days. I also do it. I wear tight jeans, but not that tight. These are some These, these, these men wear jeans that are very tight, and it's a reference. Also, to the Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers.
1: Oh, preachers yes. and Sneakers,
0: all yeah. one word. Clever account. Hilarious account. It just posts images of preachers, often kind of celebrity preachers, and their shoes and then. And other accessories. Yes. Yeah. And then the market value of the things that they're wearing. And it turns out often retailer, you know, these are retailing at. Yeah. hundreds of dollars. $600, 800 1200 to adorn a pastor's feet.
1: Look, well, Tyler, what do you say? Come on, don't muzzle the ox, Tyler.
0: Yeah, sure. Don't you know
1: right. that that means that a Rolex is an entitlement for?
0: Well, yeah, and to suggest future. otherwise would be, yeah. speaking ill of the Lord's anointed. Yeah, it's so. Lord's
1: anointed, yeah. I remember the first time I encountered that, I was uh, a young lad of 17 years old and internet chat rooms had just kind of, become a thing like live chat rooms and I was in some Christian chat room and I was saying something about Kenneth Copeland or something and I just I said something and like five people you know immediately respond with that do not question the Lord's anointed or whatever and I just thought like we can't have a discussion if this, that's your response like
0: Colin what did you give this song
1: um uh, I gave it 3 out of 5 like you. Uh, you gave it a 3? I did. I as much I mean again, you'd have to, you know if this is a, if this is in series 1 it's not going to get a 3. Sure. You know, this is like a 2 maybe or something. But you know, I also give it a 3. Um you know, it, it it's, it's not as bad as some stuff could be, you know. Yeah. yeah. And again, no no outright heresy, but you know it's, Not awesome either, but, you know, if you heard, if I heard this on the radio, I wouldn't immediately, like, throw something at the radio, you know? All right, three out of five hair swipes, because uh, this guy has got this dangling bit of hair, and he, he keeps, you know, I don't know why people cut their hair like, and now, okay, okay, look, um, I'm a bald man, so, you know, maybe I've got intrinsic hair envy, but I don't know why you get a haircut where you constantly have to move your head or swipe your hair out of your eyes. Like, why would you do that? You know, as a man, like, so, you know, he's, he's in this video and he's just constantly having to whip his head and flick his, you know, he's trying to play guitar. He's got long hair. Yeah. What do you expect? Well, but okay, but you could have longer hair so that it doesn't have to, Dangle down like that, but it's just—it's just like this annoying length where it's—if he cuts it half an inch shorter, it doesn't get in his eyes, right? Right. But if then he, it doesn't
0: graze his um, <laughs> his cheekbone, right?
1: Is that a thing? That's
0: a—I don't know if that's okay. a thing, but okay. that's got to be the point, right? Well, it's like dramatically long bangs. But for anyone who watches Twin Peaks, he looks like Bobby Briggs on Twin Peaks.
1: Okay, well, uh, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of the Worship Review. As always, we love to get feedback from our listeners, so do please send us emails to feedback at The Worship Review. Find us on Twitter. You can type in The Worship Review, and you'll see our fancy pants little logo and Twitter account, and we'll easily engage with you there. Find us on Anchor. Send
0: us your Bitcoin.
1: Send us your bit. Yes, send, send Bitcoin. Uh, don't send Dogecoin. See you next time
0: you've been listening to the worship review please subscribe to the podcast leave a comment or email us at feedback at the we accept donations at anchor fm the worship review and patreon.com slash the review thanks for listening and we'll see you next week